Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is truly Bonnie and Clyde. The entire country is looking for them. It was ultimately going to end up disastrous. Welcome to Betrayal. I'm your host, Darren Karp. In this episode, we take betrayal to another level. When a mother uproots her family to another state and finds a new job at a local prison, a budding and unlikely romance turns deadly in unimaginable ways. This story is guaranteed to shock and leave you screaming for answers. Speaking of a good scream, as well as an unlikely romance, I had to invite someone onto the show this week who knows a thing or two about over-the-top and unbelievable true crime stories. He's the co-host of the wildly popular true crime podcast, True Crime Obsessed. I'm obsessed with him and has recently launched a whole podcasting network called The Obsessed Network. It's my friend, the one and only Patrick Hines. How you doing, Patrick? Ah, Hi, you guys. (laughs) I'm so good. I'm so happy to see you. And I'm so happy to talk about this. I am obsessed. I, I have so much to say. Well, you know why you're on, because we are a budding and unlikely romance, you and I. So that's why we had to have you on, because I felt like this is our love story in a weird way. We are. I consider this our honeymoon. Like this is we're just (laughs) getting started. You know what I mean? How is your Obsessed Network going? Congratulations on all your success. How has it been? Thank you so much. We're it, Everything is going great. We've got, I think, five or six active shows right now. We actually make a show that uh, just covers an ID show. It's called Obsessed with Disappeared, where uh, Ellen Marsh and I recap episodes of IDs Disappeared. So we're like, I feel like I'm talking to family right now. Um, so things are going great. We're, you know, we're getting back out on the road with True Crime Obsessed. Our tour is launching. Uh, so things are going great. I absolutely love to hear it. Patrick, I hope you're ready for one of like the wildest stories of betrayal you've probably ever heard of. Are you ready to go? I, cu- I was born ready to talk about this and nothing else. Beautiful. Love to hear it. Let's get into it. In 1999, Eli Gordon lived with his wife Jennifer and their three children in a suburb of Salt Lake City, Utah, called West Valley City. Eli admits that the family lived a pretty secret life compared to what others knew of them, as we're going to learn shortly. Eli, who was a proud father and husband, was actually leading a very dangerous and very illegal life. 
So illegal, in fact, that one day the SWAT team stormed his family home and put Eli under arrest. So right out of the gate, there's a lot to know about this otherwise wholesome family dynamic. It turns out that Eli was selling $45,000 worth of meth a month. And Eli, the dad, screwed up big time and the family is now broken apart. Here's Eli describing why exactly he was arrested in front of his whole family. Basically, I was involved in making methamphetamines and selling it. I was making about three pounds of meth a month, which equates to about $45,000. Jennifer knew what was going on, but I was the one that was in control, so there's nobody to blame but myself. I was going to prison, so Jennifer decided to divorce me and get on with her life. I mean, let's set the scene for a minute. He's a father, you know, like... SWAT team is storming the house. This is obviously a very dangerous situation, but I imagine everyone's kind of just shocked and awe. They don't warn you when the SWAT team is coming, so it's it's kind of probably no. a lot to take in. Yeah, and like there's kids involved and like and and you see this like you see the SWAT team coming in. I think also like this guy's making $45,000 a month dealing meth. I would have thought it would have been more. You know what I mean? Like, was it worth it, Eli, you know, to have the SWAT team and your kids traumatized for life? Listen, I imagine Eli hindsight is 2020. Patrick Hines sight (laughs) is 2020. And he he basically destroyed his family because of it. So there's more to the story here and we're going to break it down. But a lot up top about this seemingly wholesome, but otherwise not family. His daughter Jessica recalls the moment that the SWAT team entered her house and arrests her father. I remember that morning clearly. I didn't know what was going on. And I just didn't say anything. I was scared. With Eli's crimes carrying a minimum of five years in Utah State Prison, Jennifer decides to make a big change. Now, Jennifer, with her now ex-husband out of the picture, decided to pack up the kids, move to Tennessee to get an absolute fresh start, There, a single mother of three now, Jennifer realized that she had to do more to keep the family going, so she enrolled in nursing school. She was excited to start a new chapter of her life. After two years of study, Jennifer graduates from nursing school and begins a new career at the Northwest Correctional Facility in Tennessee. All right, Patrick, let's do a little bit. Okay, let me just break this down here because clearly this is a mother who wants their family to start over. She packs up the whole family, which has to be utterly difficult. So she takes up her whole family, moves them across country. She goes to nursing school, which is super admirable. Um, You and I have sort of done enough true crime episodes over the years to know that starting a job maybe in a correctional facility after coming (laughs) from sort of a precarious situation with her husband I would say things are getting a little hairy already. But what do you kind of think about this setup well, here? My, my thought in this whole thing was like, she seems real mad at Eli. Like she divorces. I'm like, Jennifer, do we, I don't know. Maybe she didn't know. But I'm like, are we to believe that you didn't know that Eli was making and dealing meth? In the, like you're going to divorce the guy and move across the country as though she's real mad. You're real mad about it, Jennifer. Yeah. But yeah. like. And then goes to nursing school. That's amazing. Gets it done in two years and is a full-time single mom. I mean, my my husband's mom is a nurse. I know how hard getting that degree is. So a way to go, Jennifer. But also then, like, there's a nursing shortage in this country, is there not? Like, you would think she could work anywhere. And she decides to work at a correctional facility, which, good, if that's your – that's – 
that feels more like a calling yes. than like answering a want ad. You know what I mean? So I feel like like going to work at a correctional facility was going to be dangerous, girl. I'm glad you did it. People have to do it. Like, but I don't know. It seems like what were the other options, Jennifer? Yeah, I mean, listen. I mean, I think. And, and and maybe there was just we don't know the benefits. We don't know the perks. And maybe this was like it's true. You know how in therapy it's like you, you, therapists have a job because you're reworking all of the trauma from your childhood right. and like everyone has yeah. trauma. Like maybe this is sort of her working out her own previous relationship in some sort of way. Maybe she's trying to help other people not go down a similar path that her uh-huh. ex-husband went down. I mean, you're a dad, Patrick, like moving yeah. your children all around. Obviously, like. When you're doing that, I'm sure your first thought is always what's best for my children. And perhaps Jennifer was this is what she came upon. Right. Maybe like because it's high danger or like high stakes or whatever, you get paid more. And as a single mom, like, you know, I guess Eli wasn't burying the forty five thousand dollars in the woods in a place where she knew where she where it was. Right. So she needed the money. And that, that makes sense to me that you would take the more high paying job over maybe like the safer, lower paying job. Yeah. And, you know, for all of these reasons, and we know it's getting a little precarious, but nonetheless, Jennifer applied and was hired to work at the clinic within the correctional facility, which I also give her credit for being a woman because there is some stigma about that. And I imagine it would be very hard being a woman. Like, remember when Clary went to the jail and like that scene in Silence of the Lambs and like her experience? That was basically Jennifer's experience every single day. That literally turned me gay into loving Jodie Foster. So there you go, Patrick. That's how that goes. But, you know, as I was sort of stating, you know, the job came with great benefits, good insurance, a great pension plan. It was quite lucrative for her, as you said, Patrick. And her job duties would be pretty typical of any nurse. Distributing medications, tending to cuts and scratches and sort of these minor injuries, dealing with colds, flus, etc. Things that actually happen quite a bit in a prison. So I imagine she was busy all the time. And Jennifer actually never had to leave the clinic in the prison except to distribute medications or care for the inmates who were in lockdown status. And of course, as I sort of stated uh, or intimated before, a female professional in the prison, she sort of never knew what to expect from the prisoners when she would leave the clinic. I mean, talk about catcalling. She was exposed to all things you might expect whistling, verbal abuse, uh, trying to get grabbed at. Essentially, she had a very, she had to have a very thick skin to survive the pressures of the situation. And after doing it for so long by herself, Jennifer did ask the prison guards to escort her when she had to leave the clinic to help her deal with the prisoners. According to her daughter, Jessica, Jennifer is introduced to George Hyatt, who would meet her at the clinic each day and help keep the prisoners at bay as she did her professional rounds. Much like a security guard, although works within Uh the prison system. So this is where, well, because he's a prisoner, but this is where it gets interesting. Uh, He was an inmate of the correctional facility. So a hired guy, but also with a background himself. Now, Patrick, I just want to take a moment here before we kind of go into George. I, I'm i curious, like, what's the risk of having an inmate be in a position of helping an employee at a correctional facility? Is it is that good because I, they can curry favor with other prisoners or is it maybe a little bit more dangerous depending on the background of the prisoner? Like knowing nothing about the way that prisons work and how, you know, whatever, like I obviously love the idea of prisoners being given responsibility and being able to get more privileges based on that. Like that's great. It just seems like in this particular instance, if like her, like the reason she needed somebody to be with her is because the prisoners were harassing her. Maybe, maybe 
just get another guard to do that. You know what I mean? Maybe like in this instance, you get a guard instead of another inmate to like take her around to the inmates. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like whatever, it, it should be her call maybe, whatever makes her feel the safest. Because she's doing a, like a very important job that needs to be done and she just needs to be made to feel safe to do it. So I, I, I don't know about the wisdom of having another inmate be her sort of guard because I don't know. I mean, like, who, who is that? Like, who are where are his real allegiances, you know, to the other inmates or or to this guard that, you know, this nurse that he's supposed to be protecting? Yeah, there, that's a really good point. I think there's a lot of interesting workings in a prison that you and I might not necessarily be aware of for whatever reason. Well, it turns out that although this may seem a little odd to us, this was actually somewhat common for prisoners who perform well within the facility. To your point, Patrick, it's giving prisoners a sense of responsibility and and, and something to sort of strive towards. Okay, here's what some of the people involved in this case had to say about George escorting Jennifer within the facility. It is not at all unusual for inmates to be given leadership roles within the prison. It helps to keep other inmates under control George's status in the prison wasn't the same as other inmates. He had some authority and fear factor ability that the average inmate wouldn't have. Now, with George escorting Jennifer, there was no more catcalling or harassment or flashing. Everything just seemed to stop, according to Jessica, Jennifer's daughter. So she was sort of getting this respect by being by George, I want to say. You know, she's walking with the cool kid in the class, maybe, and, and people know yeah. not to not to mess with her. People knew George to be a very likable guy, going as far to say that if you weren't a convicted felon, he might be someone you'd bring home for Thanksgiving dinner, which I imagine is one of the reasons he got the responsibility to take on this role. Except as Jennifer found out, George was in the prison uh, because of armed robbery with assault with a deadly weapon charge, which I just want to also take a moment here to say that, like, I believe in redemption, like charges, as we sort of seen in a lot of true crime podcasts, don't necessarily reflect the truth of anything. And we don't know enough about George right now to make a determination based on character with that. Uh, we're just we're just kind of saying that's what the charge was, but we're not making any judgments on that, though. George told her that he didn't do the crime and it was actually one of his friends. As far as Jennifer was concerned, everything she knew about George added up to him being a good person. It was clear that George was very interested in a more personal relationship with her. And ultimately, the relationship that these two were building crossed the line. They became physical with each other within the correctional facility. Patrick, are we, we're calling HR here, right? Because this seems like an utter violation. Yeah, I mean, I want to see the best in George, but I do also feel like maybe Jennifer was a mark for him. Like, I think maybe he saw some vulnerability in her and knew maybe he could get stuff out of her. So when the relationship evolved to, like, being physical, I, I wasn't, like, super surprised. And, um, yeah, not good choices all around. You know what I mean? Like, this is why I think maybe there should have been two guards or maybe, like, the nurse and a guard and George. Like, I just don't think these two people should have been left alone. Like, I'm not surprised it escalated to this to this point. Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised it escalated to this point because this is kind of the perfect storm of falling in love. We have maybe a, uh -huh. a prisoner who potentially, A, 
has been in prison for X amount of time, so probably is uh, interested in women, maybe at a higher level uh-huh. than one would normally be. And then we have, on the other side of it, a vulnerable woman, like you said, who just went through this traumatic thing, and she's a single mom, she wants to support her kids, and he's charming and protecting her, which is a very important yeah. thing. And I think that you can, like, you can be a woman who's, like, I think 99% of women who have been through trauma and get a job where they're trying to help people would have been totally fine in this situation, you know what I mean? Like, I just think that like there was I think that George was able to see in her that he was going to be able to get something out of her, you know? Yeah, let's let's see what that is. Let's let's dive in more into this story. When the relationship turned physical, George and Jennifer crossed a major line. They were playing with fire. It's almost like people who lose themselves in a romance novel. It was ultimately going to end up disastrous for everyone involved, and it did. George is working his magic beyond just Jennifer's workday. Often, Jennifer and her children would arrive home to find flowers, teddy bears, gifts delivered to her home, all from George. This guy clearly has sway. I mean, this is heavy pull here. Like, it's hard yeah. for me to even organize to get flowers and teddy bears to my apartment, right. uh, <laughs> let alone from a, from a prison. Obviously, this swept Jennifer off her feet. Anyone would be swept off their feet with this. This is not overly um, surprising here. But remember, she just lost a husband who essentially destroyed the family because of his own terrible decisions. Now she has someone going after her, you know, like in, in a romantic way, sending her flowers, giving her attention. He's protecting her. It's easy to see how she would just get caught up in the moment because I feel like she felt like her ex-husband wasn't protecting her. To your point, he was doing something uh-huh. super dangerous with children, you know? So yeah. to, to have this not only handsome guy, but a guy who can protect her, I could just see how this is very, this is just fodder for lust. Is Bumble not a thing in Tennessee? Is, no. You know what I mean? Like, Jennifer, can you just get out and stop, like, maybe dating criminals? I'm not saying George is a bad person or, or, or like, whatever, but, like, maybe just trying not dating a criminal once and see how it goes. You know what I mean? Just uh, just give, give that population a try. One time. Oh, that's all I'm asking. To be fair, you know, like, her ex wasn't a criminal beforehand, <laughs> right? So maybe uh-huh. there there was uh-huh. a time, Patrick. There was a time, right. but was there was a time. And it isn't just the gifts, as it's so often not. The physical affection that was drawing Jennifer to George was it was palpable. She was enamored by his well-connected reputation as well. The passion was strong. I uh, I, I can see how, especially a forbidden love, would light the flames to even higher. George Hyatt did have what's very important in the prison system and in the outside world, and that is connections. Jessica, Jennifer's daughter, knew that all of this was adding up to a recipe of love for her mother, even saying, quote, my mom was definitely into bad boys. She definitely liked the danger and liked the thrill of the relationship. Back to your point, maybe this is not a good thing. Maybe we should uh, try for somebody that isn't as dangerous, because especially when you have children, you're now really have to consider them uh, in your own sort of dangerous path. And the boundaries continue to be crossed in unexpected ways. Jennifer went as far as not only buying George a cell phone, which is a complete and major no-no in a prison, but she was also willing to smuggle it into the prison for him. Uh, And she wrapped it in a plastic bag and put it inside of a peanut butter jar and then filled the peanut butter jar back up to sort of hide it, which... 
is actually kind of clever. Like I'm not, I, and I, I'm not trying to like encourage it. I'm just saying like, I'm not sure I would think of that. I just hope that that peanut butter wasn't wasted. I love peanut butter so much, Darren. Me too. I was like, I please you. tell me that you didn't throw that peanut, the, the unused peanut butter in the trash. I didn't know I had weird food things, but apparently I do. Maybe you do. And maybe you need to see your own uh, therapist about this. <laughs> George and Jennifer had already crossed the line. And as with most crimes, the first time's the hardest. The second time you break a rule, it gets a lot easier. The risk involved with bringing a cell phone into the prison system is big, really big. She risks not only losing her job, it is prosecutable by the state of Tennessee and punishable by imprisonment. It it goes beyond ethics. This is illegal to do. This isn't just like not a a, a good, this is... This is prosecutable, but I think it just goes to show the impact that George had on her, the hold she had, and her vulnerable position, ultimately. Have you ever, like, have you ever been in a relationship, like, either a friendship or, you know, it doesn't have to be, like, a sexual relationship with somebody where all of a sudden you're doing things, like, you just don't know how to say no, even though you know it's wrong and you're not the kind of person who would, like, do that? Like, I I sort of felt like that, too. Like, oh, God, oh, God, I don't, I know I shouldn't do this, but I yeah. I told him I would, even if it's smuggling a cell phone into a prison, I, I could see myself being like, I shouldn't do this, but I said I would, and I, now I don't know how to get out of it. You know what I mean? I mean, listen, I'll go out with my friends and I'll say to myself, I don't want to drink tonight. But if every one of my friends are drinking, you know, they'll be like, all right, I'll have one drink. Like, I don't want to do it. There's no one forced me. It's like, I can't not do that. Did you see me chuckle at the notion of not drinking? I know. You were like, you were like, you were like, what does that mean? How does one not do that? I was going to ask you what you've done crazily for love, but clearly it's not it's not not drinking. <laughs> well, it's not not drinking. I am very, very lucky that like I am attracted to hot nerds. Like that's always oh. been my thing. So like they're not those aren't usually like the the quote bad boys. Also, can we normalize not telling our daughters that we love bad boys? Knock it off, Jennifer. Yeah. Like it's just <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I yeah, I'm very like the, the craziest thing I've ever done for love is like. Probably like, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't done anything crazy for love. I'm such a loser. (laughs) No, you are not a loser. You are a rational human being who clearly cares about, uh, you know, the consequences of things. But um, yeah, so so George got the cell phone without anyone knowing at first. She managed to kind of smuggle this in successfully. Jennifer even took another very calculated risk and got George a meal from a restaurant outside of the prison. So live in the high life. But let me ask you this. If you were away somewhere, let's say prison, but away somewhere where you couldn't get good food for an extended period yeah. of time, what's the one yeah. meal that you'd be like, Husb, you gotta you gotta smuggle this for me? And it can't be a jar of peanut su- butter. I won't allow it. No, well, <laughs> I am such trash. It would be like a number two from McDonald's. You know what I mean? Ugh. Like it would be no either the double cheeseburger that. meal or like the ten McNuggets with hot mustard, extra hot mustard. Oh, Do yeah. not try to give me the honey mustard and pass it off as Hot mustard. No, it's hot mustard stop giving honey mustard. Very- yeah, stop yeah giving. no, it's hot mustard is specific to McDonald's. Like, that's what it would be. He's eating shrimp that's basically healthy food? You can have yeah. anything? Yeah, like, why are you eating healthy food? Like, what's going on no. here? I would probably do, like, an in and out Something crazy like yeah. that. Like, some good 
hearty fast food. So I'm here with you. Um, yeah. Well, obviously she gets this meal in there. He's eaten the high life here. But this time their luck ran out because a security guard for the prison catches the two of them enjoying the meal together. And as you can imagine this and surely some of Jennifer's other behaviors within her job were enough to have her promptly fired from the job she worked so hard to achieve. So jig is up. She gets caught red handed, if you will, with shrimp in her hands, essentially. So at this point, it seems like this is done. They get caught. They lived in their tryst for a while. And now it's over with. But after Jennifer was fired, she started to see a different side of George. George became very jealous and nervous about their relationship, often being argumentative with her when they would talk on the phone. It's a lot to unpack here before I get your comments, Patrick, because I have a lot to say about this, especially as a woman. One night, we were all hanging out in the living room and we were all watching movies. All of a sudden, we heard a knock at the door. There was a picture laying on the ground a picture of my mom and on the back of it it says I'm watching you at that point she thought that his connections were capable of hurting us if they really wanted to at this point Jennifer and her children realized that George and his connections were very capable of hurting them if they really wanted to and I think this is sort of the juxtaposition of Yes, it's so many advantages of having this prisoner be so well-connected and have all these things and be able to dote on me. But on the other side of that, it's like, well, clearly he has a lot of connections outside of prison. So what's the bad side of this um, potentially? You know, imagine having such a deep, intimate connection with someone, sacrificing your job for someone, and then suddenly feeling like they could wound you or your family in the matter of seconds. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey. 
no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. As New Yorkers, Patrick, would you ever open the door when we hear a knock? I feel like the uh, peephole is maybe our best friend because I would not. And especially as a woman with my children, I would not. That's just me. I mean, as a New Yorker, I can say even if we order food and we know someone is coming, if there's a knock on our apartment door, everyone in our apartment freezes. Like, who's here to kill us? What is wrong with us, Darren? Why are we like that? I think we I think we've gone too far into the true crime world. But like I will I would I would not even if my friend is coming over and like I'm expecting it like I and I have yeah. a doorman like I'd still be like, yeah, who, who is it? Like I just I need to, I need that extra layer of protection. I want to also say this moment of like the car and the knock on the door and they find the, you know, they go outside to see who's out there and there's nobody there. It really felt like a horror movie. I think any one of us can sort of picture just, you know, watching a movie at night is also, especially with your children, again, especially as a woman, which I'm not to say that men don't experience this. It's just a little bit of a different thing, a little different of a vulnerability. Um, depending on where you're living, you know, it's in Tennessee. It's just, it's gotta be very scary and it's just gotta be very, I don't know, jarring. Uh, Like this, this would snap me out of whatever movie I was watching. If I got a knock on the door, even if it was delivery, I'd be like, oh my God. Maybe snap you out of the relationship with the inmate. Like, this is why we don't date inmates. You know what I mean? Like, you you don't really – like, she didn't really know him, and she was in much more danger than she thought she was. And it's sort of like, this is why – like, those rules are in place for a reason. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, it was meant to keep her safe. But instead, she had to smuggle in the shrimp. (laughs) She had to smuggle in the shrimp. And I think to your point, you know, she doesn't know him. Like, and how could we possibly know someone after this short a period of time? But, like – She doesn't really know. She sees what she wants to see with this. And you know what? Good lesson for all of us. We all kind of see in love, especially in that lust stage of what we want to see. And maybe we need to, like, take a step back and, you know, understand that people are a lot more layered than maybe, you know, a month's long romance. But, you know, we've all sort of been there. Well, Jennifer eventually confronts George about what happened when they talked on the phone next, but George played it off like it was a joke and that he was sorry. This is manipulation of someone who's like getting mad at you for being jealous. It's a form of control. It's like grooming someone to like feel indebted to you. And this is going to set up the story here. So Jennifer bought it all and fell back into George's love spell, so to speak. This would make me, in my mind, question the type of person that I was falling in love with who genuinely wanted to terrify me and my children. But I think, again, I think this just goes to show that she wants this to work and she needs this to work. And it was perfect timing because George had another idea up his sleeve. George realized that the only way they were going to be able to physically see each other was again was if they got married. 
So by being married to George, it would supersede her being blacklisted from being able to uh, physically visit him in the prison. Because he had apologized and she felt like it was sincere, she believed that she was going to be marrying the George that she had fallen in love with in prison. So she said, yeah. So they get married. Um, and, and Patrick, like, there's obviously nothing wrong with getting married if they both felt like they really loved each other. I mean, again, I do believe in redemption. You know, just because you're in prison doesn't mean you're a bad person. But the picture outside of the door and his changing his attitude after she's can't be allowed back. Like, you think it would be a time he would try to bring her in and he sort of pulls her away and brings her in, calling being very jealous and erratic. It makes me sort of feel at this point, from what we know, that something dark and terrible and he's going to use her is going to happen. Is that sort of where your mind is going as well? Yeah, you know, you could sort of get the sense from the beginning that like, are they really in love? We don't really know. I think that, you know, I, I think that this man saw a vulnerable woman and knew that he could sort of like, you know, maybe take advantage of her and like, and and that's what's happening here. Like, if, if, if I'm very worried for Jennifer. I know that Jennifer has the ability to like drop her life and move across the country on a dime if she has to. I'm like, Jennifer, they need nurses in California too. Pack up your kids and go there, girl. Like, right. it just, it all feels very unsafe. The kids are unsafe. Please put your children first and and go. I, I understand that like, that's not a reality. Like, that's not a thing everybody can do. And I understand that like, you know, people get fall into these, uh, uh, patterns and you know I, I I don't mean to blame the victim here but I feel very I feel like everyone's unsafe I couldn't agree more and I think that especially his attitude towards everything when when she was sort of eliminated from the prison and he just started to get jealous of her that to me was like okay this is not good no one should treat somebody yeah. like this because it's just not based in fact yeah well the craziness with George and Jennifer didn't stop there. Once they were married, Jennifer visits him in prison as his new wife. And George has one more request for Jennifer at one point uh, at his upcoming hearings. He wants her to break him out of jail. And she agrees. Things are getting a little out of hand here. At what point does Jennifer realize sort of the significance of all of this, do you think, Patrick? I mean, was she really motivated to break him out so they could live together? Wouldn't she know that that sort of would never happen. I mean, she came from a guy, from an ex-husband who got carried away with a SWAT team. You know, yeah. she's asking all of these things of her and she's not asking anything back. And to me, that's a red flag. Yeah, and I maybe we're not getting the full picture. Maybe she maybe she agreed to do it because she felt unsafe or she felt like if she didn't, there would be repercussions. I don't know. And you know, the other thing is like maybe she felt like she was in this deep already. Like, you know, I like it it, it, it feels to me like she's bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. Like when you everybody when your partner asks you to break them out of jail, that's a good just remember you can say no. Just remember, are you when telling somebody me you wouldn't, you, to break you, wouldn't break, you wouldn't break me out of jail? Is that what you're saying? I would break. Well, see, here we go. I'm under your spell. You, I would break out of jail. No question. Okay, so let's just face fact. I, well, I just want to put our relationship in the proper quadrant here, Patrick. Yeah, yeah I, I am sure. truly terrified of you, but I also would okay. smuggle shrimp into the prison and feed it to you. You wouldn't even have to eat it yourself. You know what I mean? I did leave a note outside of your door in shrimp, not blood, that said. <laughs> I'm watching you, but it was in shrimp, so I feel like that was okay. And I saw it, and I went, oh, she really yeah. does love me. She I loves me. She likes me. <laughs> 
Well, Jennifer is fully committed to breaking George out of jail the day of his court hearing. She even scoped out the parking lot of the courthouse, a location for a second vehicle. I mean, she's doing this all. She's putting in the work to make this relationship happen. And it doesn't seem like George is doing a lot outside of maybe getting her teddy bears and stuff. And she went as far as procuring handguns, ammunition, and practicing with the weapons before the day of the hearing. And just when you think the inevitable is going to happen, just when you think Jennifer is going to, you know, bandit this thing up, Jennifer gets a phone call, and it's her ex-husband, Eli, from the beginning of the story, her ex. I had worked hard to turn my life around and have my kids back in my life and be a part of their lives. So we agreed that she would be able to stay in Tennessee and we would work out visitation. But when I got out to Tennessee, she goes, you know what, I'm gonna let you have the kids for the summer. She told me that they were gonna take off as sort of a honeymoon and gonna be, in her words, out of pocket for a while. Do you think in a lot of ways, Patrick, when, you you know, she obviously hated her ex-husband forever, but then he comes back, he redeems, (laughs) he comes back and she's like, here, take the kids for the whole summer. In your mind, is this an attempt to get the kids away from these unsettling plans? Do you think this is a way to sort of protect them? Like subconsciously, she might know that being around George isn't a good thing. No, I hate to say it. I don't think that she was thinking about the kids' safety. I think she was thinking about being with George. You know what I mean? I think she was really thinking about, like, having no distractions, nothing else that she had to focus. Now, now, on the the flip side of that, though, is that she just had these kids by herself for five years while Eli was in prison. So I understand you need a break. After five years of being a single parent, you want to, like, unload the kids for the summer. I totally get that. I just want to also say that if she had put the amount of effort into perfecting her Bumble profile that she put into, like, the planning to break this guy out of jail, I think that she – I think she could have found a good match is all I'm saying. There's a lot of options here, Jennifer. There's a lot. And listen, I just want to say that Eli is out of jail now. So he – for all we know, he's – he just wants to get his life back. And I think that that's a fair point. Like, I think that there's every reason right now at least to – to, to trust him. And so maybe in, I think you're right. She was probably just thinking about George, but also she could see that Eli was redeemed and maybe this was a very safe place for them. I felt like she was not telling me something. She was acting like we were leaving for a really long time, but I didn't know why. So here's where it gets even hairier uh, for the audience. With the kids gone now, it's time for George's hearing. Were take This is August 9th, 2005, the day Jennifer has been working towards. She's prepped. She's got the cars ready. She's got the weapons ready. George arrives to the courthouse with two very experienced guards with extensive backgrounds in firearms, which is sort of the point here. Like, he's being monitored by the best of the best. And following George's hearing, he was let out of the courthouse by the two guards, which is when Jennifer finally makes her sudden move. As they were loading George into the truck, Jennifer got out of her car and shot at the guards and directed George to get into her vehicle. And it worked. This is very sad. I mean, these are officers who were assigned to do their job. They were sort of protecting the prisoner as well as ushering him along to the courthouse. So sadly, one of the officers, Officer Wayne Morgan, later died of his injuries sustained by Jennifer. Very young guy, super sad. 
And now George and Jennifer have not only been pulled off the ultimate Bonnie and Clyde scenario that absolutely no one saw coming. There was a dead man uh, amidst all of it. Patrick, you know, this has sort of gone from prison escapee love situation to a homicide. And it's awful to sort of hear that someone had to die as a result of this criminal behavior. One life lost, I think, is too much. But sort of in just like this moment of lust when you're not thinking. Do you have anything to sort of say about that? It's just super sad. Yeah. <laughs> Jennifer's trash. I mean, like, I'm sorry, but like, this is where we land. Like when, when something like this happens, she shot this guy and killed him. Like, that's the reality. She's a murderer now. And, you know, we get the stats, like this guy had kids and a young wife. Like it's, you know, like it's always a, a moment in a, in a story like this that brings you back to like, we can call it Bonnie and Clyde and we can try to make it sexy, but like some guy who was just doing God. his job was killed and that's unacceptable, you know? Yeah. But as they're escaping, Jennifer realizes that one of the security guards she exchanged fire with actually shot and wounded her as well. So this was a real shootout. Jennifer drives herself and George to a local mall where she has stashed a second getaway vehicle. The two jump in and speed away. At this point, they were free. Now all they had to do was stay hidden, stay low. The plan being that they were going to make their way ultimately to Mexico. We knew they had switched vehicles because there were eyewitnesses that saw them leap from one vehicle literally into the other vehicle. And that vehicle was, in fact, a gold Chevy minivan. But 20 years of chasing fugitives, there's one common theme, and that is they are human. And they, like anyone else, require sleep, they require food, and they require shelter. The next morning, the gold Chevy minivan is spotted at a motel parking lot. The SWAT team promptly arrives at the motel and breaks into the motel room. But neither Jennifer or George was there. What is there is many of their belongings, including hair dye packages. So to me, this sort of says they're trying to change their appearance. They probably left in a rush. They knew that they were coming after them. They sort of knew that their time was running out. And it turns out that the two of them got a cab ride two hours north to Columbus, Ohio, to another hotel room where the taxi driver who had been paying attention to the news, Patrick, realized it was the two people he had seen just moments ago on the news. And this information is enough for the SWAT team to close in on Jennifer and George. The taxi driver calls. They narrow down. They call the phone number to the hotel room and inform Jennifer that the SWAT team has the room surrounded and that she should come out with her hands in the air. At this moment, my heart is dropping because <laughs> I'm thinking, what are they going to do? You know, they sort of has shot one officer already. George is OK, kind of sacrificing Jennifer to the wolves here. I was worried about Jennifer's life at this point uh, just because I was like, what? What does George care about more, uh, saving himself or helping Jennifer? I mean, and yet again, you know, more people opening doors here. I mean, imagine having your hand, your your things surrounded. We're not even opening it for the pizza guy. So imagine getting a call, Patrick, and say, like, your apartment is surrounded. So the door opens. Jennifer opens the door. And that was it. Jennifer Hyatt walked out and surrendered to the SWAT team. The door opened. And there she stood. I saw someone scared. I saw someone defeated. Uh, I saw someone tired. This horrific and tragic betrayal came to an end when both George and Jennifer were charged. Thank God no more murders had happened with first-degree murder. And both were convicted and sentenced to life without parole, which ultimately had them avoid the death penalty here. I mean, what is your reaction to this whole story? What what sort of stuck with you? What are your final thoughts on were you 
Were you surprised that Jennifer and George eventually, even though a life was lost, left kind of quietly with this and sort of surrendered appropriately? I could not stop wondering how much a two-hour taxi ride cost. We are New Yorkers. I was like, a two-hour taxi ride? I was like, do they have the funds for this? I mean, my God. Where are they getting the money for a two-hour? That's like $8,000. I can't imagine how much a two-hour taxi ride costs. I mean, you know, I was, I guess, I'm. here's the other thing. Jennifer got shot. The fact that she got shot made me feel like they were going to get caught eventually. Like, because, but we never really found out how serious her wound was. If she hadn't gotten shot, would they maybe have gotten away? Who knows? I mean, you know, there was so much planning. The the idea of like stashing a car, like a like a secondary car, was bananas. Yeah, I know. And, you know, the the big mistake they made there was that I guess they did it in a public place. So there were witnesses that saw them like rushing from one car to the next. So that kind of had had the witnesses not seen them. Could they have gotten away? Like, I guess I was a little surprised that they were. I mean, I guess I figured they would find them eventually, but I was surprised that they found them so quickly. I agree. I mean, again, this is a sort of a, a testament to sort of people paying attention and these armchair armchair detectives in a lot of ways. But when you were saying, you know, how much is a two hour taxi ride? I was thinking at that time, yeah. like, at what point in those two hours did the cab driver realize? Because right. like, is it 10 minutes in? Like, I would be worried right. for my life. You know, like, yeah. oh, my God, these people just like murdered somebody on the street. And is, this is an escaped prisoner. And she's the accomplice. And what is going to happen to my life? Like, that's what I was thinking. I was like, yeah, it's really yeah. expensive. But like, at what point right. did he realize that this is what was going on? So, again, a testament to him being brave, calling in the actual facts in order to kind of get this case solved. It is a baffling story of betrayal, and that's it for this week's episode. And of course, thank you to the incredible Patrick Hines for joining me on this episode. Patrick, where can everyone find you online these days, stalk you, send you shrimp, and send you some notes that we're watching you? We all want to know. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Patrick Hines underscore. Somebody else has at Patrick Hines. Don't get me started. Oh, well, we're going to, uh, you know what? And- we we got to take care of them. We got to take care I of them. <laughs> and then you can find all the podcasts that we make at the Obsessed Network at obsessednetwork.com. I love it. Patrick, thank you so much for being here. I absolutely love you. And for everyone else out Thanks, there, I'm, I'm Darren Karp. Thank you for joining me on this week's episode. For fan reactions and more, head over to crimefeed.com slash podcasts. And for more true crime TV like this, be sure to download the Discovery Plus app today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.